Boston Sports Syndicate. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Fire the Muskets podcast. This is the Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the New England Patriots and the NFL. I'm Bill Travers. Thank you for joining us. And the NFL season is almost here as we record this. We're less than two weeks away. But like everything else in 2020, it's radically different from what we're used to. And we're going to dive into all of that. And by we, I mean my usual two co-hosts for the Fire the Muskets podcast. First off, we have the Syndicate's senior Patriots writer, also the senior Celtics writer, and contributed to the Above the Parquet podcast here on the Syndicate, Derek McVeigh. Derek, how you doing? Doing okay, Bill. How are you? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. And, of course, what would a Fire the Muskets podcast be without James the Contrarian himself? You know him as James Cam, but we've rebranded him James the Contrarian. James Collard. James, how are we doing? I am fantastic. Madden NFL football comes out tomorrow. So I get my little taste of American football through a digital service. I'm, I'm excited. All right. You've totally lost me on that one, seeing I don't play video games. <laughs> But we move on. So, yep. gentlemen, here we are. It is we're getting to the end of August, which I hate to say because this summer has just flown by, despite the fact that I have absolutely nothing to do except record podcasts. Um, but here we are. It's it's almost the end of August. The Patriots should be playing their third preseason game this week, which is always allegedly the big preseason game where you know they show what they're going to be for the regular season and play more of their regulars deeper into the game than they do in the other two. Of course, we have no preseason this year, which throws everything out of whack. So here we are. We have not seen a preseason game. We really don't know what to expect from this team. Uh, We're only basing uh, our opinions on what we've seen or what we've read from the practices. There really hasn't even been a lot of uh, sports writers that are allowed to report on the practices. So it's, we're really dealing with the unknown here, but we got to record a podcast, right? So let's talk about it anyway. So I wanted to start with the number of players that opted out for the for the Patriots. Um, they led the league by far with players opting out with eight. And I'll just run down the names quickly. Uh, I'd say the biggest name on the list is Dante Hightower, uh, along with Marcus Cannon, Patrick Chung, Danny Vitali. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's the uh, fullback that they signed from the Packers to uh, replace the retired James Devlin. Marquise Lee, who hadn't, who was uh, another free agent signing from the Jaguars. Matt Lacoste, tight end. Brandon Bolden, who they signed back from the Dol- uh, Dolphins. And Najee Torin, uh, guard. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on the players opting out? Obviously, you know, we... Everybody has to do what they have to do, um, you know, especially in this day and age with the coronavirus. If they didn't feel safe playing, we really can't criticize them for opting out. They have to do what's best for them and their family. And a lot of them did have um, excuses, uh, other members of their family with underlying conditions or expecting a baby, things like that, or new uh, newborns in their family. So, um, But how do you think this is really going to affect the team? And who do you think was the biggest loss out of this group? I think it's I think Hightower is the the easy one, right? I mean, he's the the biggest name, probably the most talented guy, uh, you know, out of that list. Um, and not just his like talent on the field, but the biggest thing I think that the Pats are gonna miss is leadership. When you talk about like him and Chung, even Marcus Cannon's a you know a solid vet, Brandon Bolden. I think in a season like this, that's so unknown, uh, there's no preseason, so you have limited reps. Training camp's all different. It's not the traditional camp that you're used to. You don't have the same amount of practices or reps to get ready for the season. I think having veterans in key positions is important. So now, you know, you're missing a your starting middle linebacker who was your really the captain of your defense, the, the signal caller out there, uh, a starting safety, your starting right tackle. So it, it gives other guys a chance, you know, gives like younger guys a a chance maybe to speed up their development. Um, but I think it's, it hurts not having veterans like that, you know, t- at least at the beginning of the season when, when so much is unknown uh, that that's, I think that's where they'll be missed the most. 
James, what do you think? I I I agree. Um, mostly, the big two would be high power cannon with still question marks on the offense, and high power was the staple of the defense. He was the leader. So those two losses are are, are should have somewhat of an impact on the Patriots team this year. I don't think it's going to be significant enough that um, the people that think we're tanking. Who thinks we're tanking? Um, it, it's not going to happen. Oh, when everything was getting released, you should have seen the comments. When every when there was like those five people opting out, they all said, oh, that's it, Patriots are tanking. You were missing. You were missing the whole much. All the jump shippers on on Twitter, Bill. You guys pay too much attention um, to Twitter. But, but go on. Yeah, yeah. So those two big um, trunks gonna hurt us on defense. But with them signing Adrian Phillips in the off season, I think he's gonna help help basically not miss him that much. But we are gonna miss him. For the team, um, Brandon Bolden was becoming a key returner for the special team, so that's going to be that's a little hurt. So, like um, Derek was saying, like those core four people are going to be the ones that are going to be missed. But everyone's doing it for themselves and for their family, so can't you can't blame them for doing this. This is what they want to do. It's just it, it sucks as a fan. Right. No, but, you know, we're looking at it from the aspect of how it impacts the team. Obviously, I already said that they, they have to do what's best for them and for their family. But I, I want to talk about Hightower. And I'll agree with you, Derek. He's the most talented player. And, and I think especially with the defections that they had at linebacker this year, um, it really – I mean, he was the sole returning starting linebacker, I believe, coming back. So losing and being the signal caller, losing him certainly hurts. But – the last couple of years, you, you kind of had to expect that you were going to go through stretches where you weren't going to have him anyway due to injury. That's That's been his track record the last few years. So I, I think that not having him probably, you know, for practice on the field just as a teacher is probably the biggest impact. But on the field, I was kind of expecting him to miss significant portions anyway. So I don't know how big of a loss that is. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, he's he's definitely battled injuries throughout his career. And, I mean, he's been in the league for for a while now. And you you never know with guys like that, especially people are, are retiring a lot earlier now. Uh, so you just never know, you know, at the, the start of a season, he could all of a sudden have a change of heart and all of a sudden you're without him. So, I mean, I guess it's it's a good opportunity for a guy like Jawan Bentley to, to step in. I know he's been kind of that... Uh, leading that linebacking core, uh, you know, through the early stages of camp, uh, calling the signals. And, you know, he's he's shown some flashes when he's out there, but he's another guy who's had some injury problems. Um, so the biggest thing is just it hurts their depth. And now you have to rely on Bentley, who has had his own injury history. And, you know, if he goes down, then you're really talking about getting into, like, the the deep depths of their, their linebacking core, which is, you know, thin to begin with. Absolutely, and, and a lot of rookies there, too, that they drafted this offseason. Uche and there's somebody else I'm forgetting. And uh, Ninkovich, uh, not Ninkovich, he reminds me of Ninkovich, Winovich, second-year mm. player out of Michigan, guy who's really going to have to step up this year. Probably more of an edge player than the middle guy that uh, Hightower was, but it's it's definitely going to be tested at what was already a thin linebacker core. Uh, the other guy that I'm kind of giving a pass on is Chung. He's getting up there in age. And if there's anywhere that the Patriots are deep, it's in the secondary. So I think that the leadership is the biggest factor, but as far as the play on the field, I think that's the one that they can probably patch up the most. Yeah, and they've got, you know, they drafted Kyle Duggar with their, you know, their first draft pick second rounder Ooh. this year. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, you know, everything I've read now, I mean, for what it's worth, it's just, you know, words on a paper you haven't seen anything but people have said he's he's looked good and you know through the first week of camp or so but anyone can look good in practice and then once it's you know once the the plays start to count then you know it's all bets are off but 
like it is a good opportunity to see what these young guys have. Um, but it's there's going to be some growing pains. You know, Belichick is not usually the one to let guys go out there and, you know, if they make mistakes, keep them out there and kind of let them work through it. But he may not have a choice this year with, uh, you know, how thin and how young and inexperienced some of his positions are. James, any thoughts? Anybody else you think he no, is, I... is uh, a loss that's that really maybe is not the most talented player, but his loss is more magnified, just given the fact that they were counting on him to uh, to fill a certain role? Yeah, you you could say that, but the way the way the Patriot motto is next man up. So, and with both McCourty still playing, I I don't know. And if they stick to that four six defense that they were doing last year, so then having two safeties in the back wasn't really their forte. They always had one safety and someone up, and Chung normally played like a hybrid linebacker type of player when he was on the field. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think where you might miss Chung is when you're playing the Chiefs and you need somebody to to guard Travis Kelsey. Chung was a good matchup with him, and I don't I don't think know if they have anybody else who can really match up uh, size-wise with somebody like Kelsey. True. No, that, that is true. I, but... I think Adrian Phillips is about the same size, and he's he he's not elite level, but he ha, he has the similar traits as Patrick Chung. So, but he, but he's got to learn the defense, which is always tricky with new players coming in. Look how long it took Stephon Gilmore to figure out what was going on. We were ready to run him out of town. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. All right, so offensively, I don't think they were hurt as bad by the defections. Uh, the loss of Vital, I think, and Cannon, uh, the 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 blocking game last year for the I think I attribute the offensive line and the loss of Devlin to why the running game was so ineffectual last year. And I know a lot of people don't think that offensive line play is sexy, but you know that's that's where you get your gaps. That's where you get your holes to run through. And without those players up front, if there's nowhere to go, it doesn't matter who's back there. Barry Sanders wouldn't be able to gain any yards if there's no no holes to run through. So, you know, I think the the loss of Cannon along with Vital, I think is going to make a difference. Uh, Jacob Johnson supposedly is destroying people in camp, so maybe he can fill that hole at the fullback slot. But he's had some issues with injuries in the past too. So, who knows? It's going to be a very interesting season to see. Like you said, James, it's the next man up philosophy. Yeah, Cannon, Cannon's a, an interesting one, too, because, you know, their line, had he not opted out, I I would have felt pretty good about them this year. I mean, they're pretty much all returning. You got Wynn, Tooney, Mason, Andrews is back. Now, who knows what kind of, you know, shape he's going to be in after a year out. But, I mean, when he was out there, he's one of the best centers in the game. And had Cannon been there, now you got some continuity, and maybe that helps. But now... He, I mean, you have no idea who's going to be their starting right tackle, and that's a pretty important position, um, for, you know, for for the offense. Uh, so who knows, and how that's going to affect not only their running game but protecting a guy like Cam Newton, um, who you know he has the ability to to scramble and avoid pressure and get out of the pocket, but that's where he leaves himself susceptible to taking big hits and where some of those you know injuries could pop up, and all of a sudden. He takes too many hits or takes the wrong hit, and now he's you know knocked out for a few weeks. So that the not having Cannon could be interesting and actually could be more uh, you know important than we actually think. So you're assuming that Cam Newton's going to be the quarterback, which is which is leading me into our next topic. See how segue. That that's that's a pro move right <laughs> there. That's a pro move. Any more on the opt outs before we move on to the quarterback? No, I I I think we got. We reached all the points. All right, so let's talk about the so-called quarterback battle. Do you guys even think that there's a quarterback battle going on right now? I know coming in, it looked like it was going to be Stidham and, and Newton were at least on paper battling out for the number one spot. And from what I've read about camp so far, it doesn't look like anybody's stepping up to take the job at all. 
do you think that there is actually a battle, or do you think the fix is in for Newton? Yeah, I think I think it was just lip service. You know, Belichick's not going to come out and uh, say that, especially for a guy like Newton who's new to the system and hasn't really opened the playbook. He's not going to say that he's our starter. He's going to make him work for it. And now, especially with this this hip injury for Stidham, I mean, I think it's definitely uh, Cam Newton's job. Um, and that, I mean, even they were talk, you talk about a competition, but I think everyone was understanding that if Cam Newton's healthy, he's the starting quarterback because he is clearly the most talented of the bunch and, and most proven. I mean, Stidham, we obviously still don't know a lot about. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely Newton now with the, the injury to Stidham. The phantom injury, which seems to have come from nowhere. Right. Now, Hoyer has allegedly been the best looking quarterback in camp, which is a scary thought. <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of uh, like speaks to his familiarity with the the offense and the playbook. Um, but to Newton's credit, everything I've read and you know the the quarterback coach was saying today that he's uh, you know he's one of the first guys in the the facility every day. Uh, you know he's his energy and enthusiasm, and he's trying to to do his best to learn and absorb as much as he can. Uh, so I think that the efforts there for Newton, and I think with his ability, even if he's doesn't have the playbook down, you know, to a T, his ability to improvise and his athleticism will, will help him. Um, you know, and that athleticism at that position is something they haven't had. And I don't even know. Definitely not in my lifetime. Steve Grogan. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What were you going to say, James? Were you going to say Michael uh, Bishop? He, yep. <laughs> Michael Bishop was my lifetime. Did he actually ever Steve play Grogan in a regular season gone. game? Just to throw uh, some bombs. I, I think so. I think like to mop up duty. It was like, yeah. So James, it I, was, it was. Go ahead. I, I know you're. You've uh, made it very clear that you don't think Stidham is ready. You've actually made yeah. it clear that you don't think Stidham can play at all. So I, I'm gonna. Yep. I'm gonna guess that you don't see any potential quarterback battle here either. I knew when there was a quarterback battle when Cam Newton signed to be New England Patriots. Plain and simple. And it it showed. Yeah. I, I, I kept on calling for, I think in our group chat, and I think on some episodes, that the only way Stenham's going to really win the battle is he has someone to face against. Because him going against Brian Hoyer again, mentally, that's like, I have already beat that dude for a backup job. I'm I'm going to beat him for a, a starting job. And then when they brought in Cam, it it showed that mentally he wasn't ready to be a starter. Now I I feel bad. I was kind of room for him a little bit, but I knew for a fact he was he's he's a bona fide backup. And Stidham? And yeah. Right now. Oh, right now. Right now, and I think foreseeable future. If if we have this phantom injury that no one really knows, that's is either a hip or a leg injury. They're announcing it like it's an NHL injury, lower body injury, like. But at some point, at some point, we're going to have to figure out whether this guy can play or not. And let's remember, even even if Cam Newton is the starter, is he going to be able to get through the entire season? His track record the last few years hasn't been very good, and especially being a running quarterback, and I think and we'll get into it in a little bit, with, with the receivers that he has, I think if he's going to be a mobile quarterback and running around, that's just going to open him up to the possibility of even more injuries. So there, there could be a, a game or two or three stretch where you're going to need to see if Stidham can play or not. If he's not on injured reserve with this phantom hip injury. Yeah. No, I I agree. But because I, I'm I'm still I'm still go by my eye test and I just I don't see him as an NFL starter. But the eye test based on one series last year against the Jets. With the pick yep. with the pick six. Yep. The ultimate definition of a small sample size. <laughs> 
Hey, small people, small and Oh, I, I didn't mean to go there, James. I didn't mean to go there. <laughs> Good comeback. You went there, and I served. I didn't intend that. That's that's the whole thing with harassment. It doesn't matter what you intend. It's how the person takes it. So I apologize. I guess I'm going to be taking the Mike Milbury route and getting fired now. So it's been great working no, with you no, guys. No, 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 no. It's it's fine. You're not going to turn me into HR? No. The syndicate's HR department? No. All right. Who is our syndicate? (laughs) That's probably you. You keep getting new titles every other day, so we'll just throw that one. Director of Human Resources, James Gillard. Yep. Congratulations. In lieu of in lieu of pay, you'll get another title. Yep. Yeah. I. What Mike doesn't know, he'll know it when, whenever he'll listen to this episode is the more letters I get in my title, the bigger my paycheck is going to be. Oh, your paycheck will be doubled with every new title you get. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's happened with me. I get double the pay that I got before with every new position I get here at the syndicate. I know. I know. The big paycheck soon. And if you know math, two times zero is still zero. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the quarterbacks. Do either of one, either one of you buy into some of the talk that there's going to be a quarterback rotation this year? I get, I absolutely cannot see that in a Belichick coach team. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I I can't see it because I don't know if there's something that Stidham does better than Cam Newton at this point. Like, it'd be one thing if you had a guy. Like, if Newton was really, you know, he could run like a Tyrod Taylor. He's a good runner, but his, you know, his throwing ability leaves a lot to be desired. And Stidham, you know, is clearly a, you know, has a better arm. But I don't think any of that is true, at least at this point. I think Newton's got the a stronger arm. He's a better runner. Uh, so I, I can't see a scenario where they rotate them at all. You mean like a gadget guy, like a Taysom Hill? Bring in one one guy in for to run a gadget play, that type of thing. Right. You, yeah. No, I agree with you. I, I can't see something like that. James, what do you think? No, I, I, just like the thought of that was kind of, it was kind of like, what type of twilight zone are we in? That Bill Belichick is saying, oh, maybe platoon, platooning is not out of the question. Like, come on. They're going to run two quarterbacks. I know we're trying to – I know the NFL is pulling college-type plays, but we're not going that full-on college where you got your mobile quarter – you got your – um. I think it was Florida when they had Tim Tebow and Chris Leak, and they swapped going in. Like, one's red zone quarterback, and one is from the rest of the field. I don't – I don't – I don't see them platooning – uh, QBs at all. I'm just wondering if maybe somebody's sowing the seeds on that where you're not going to have preseason games. It gives the other teams something else that they have to prepare for. I mean, that would be classic Belichick to throw something like that out there just to screw with other teams' minds. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably why he didn't like come out and deny it. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm open to anything. I'll Whatever helps the, the team. Um, so, yeah, I think he's He's all in about playing mind games. So without any preseason games, if you if there has to be a coach that can prepare for it, it's Belichick, obviously. And everybody else is in the same boat. But where this team will have a new quarterback, no matter what, no matter who it is, how much do you think the lack of a preseason is really going to hurt them in the early going? Because traditionally the last few years – the Patriots have seen the first few games of the regular season as an extension of the preseason, trying to figure themselves out. And now you don't even have that. And you don't have guys competing for positions in preseason games either for roster spots. So with this team needing to fill so many holes, how much is that going to really hurt them as opposed to some of the more established teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens? Yeah, I think it's a a huge disadvantage for them. I mean, we're all – looking for them to get, you know, younger. I mean, they had one of the oldest rosters last year. So they did that, which is great, you know, the youth movement. But in an offseason like this where you don't have preseason, you don't even have the ability to, like, scrimmage and practice with other teams. So you're constantly going against the same guys every day. You know, you know what they're running. They know what you're running. So you can kind of 
uh, tailor your uh, your style and you can get in, into these rhythms where you know what to expect. Uh, you know, I I think people could get like a false sense of comfort maybe, and then all of a sudden they they play a different team. Uh, you know, week one against Miami, and it's something they've never seen before, and that's when the rust and the inexperience starts to show. And you mentioned that you know Belichick always saw September as an extension of the preseason. So does that mean he's going to see September as the preseason and October the extension of the preseason? Like how long is it going to take for for them to get these guys ready to play? That's that's the biggest thing that worries me is the inexperience and the you know the lack of preseason, the lack of reps against different competition. Yeah, and the division that they were in, they were so head and shoulders above everybody, they could afford to take those first few games off. I you know, right. I don't I don't think now that they can afford to do that and just, you know, run the risk of losing two or three games earlier in the season. And they've got a, a very difficult schedule this year as opposed to past years. So, you know, this year, more than ever, I think every game is going to really count. I'm not a fan of not having preseason, but I understand it. And that is what Derek said. Like, we see norm. the norm is seeing September as the extension. So what, now October? But also now, those extensions are not sh- shouldn't even be happening because with now only the one seed getting the first round by, better than the one and two, you're you're gonna be battling for a playoff spot by week one. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be tough, especially for the Patriots and a lot of the other teams to. But as a fan, it's going to be stressful. And I, I'm, a, I'm a little scared. <laughs> well, a little, a little, a little scared. I thought you thought they were going to go 14 and two or 13 and three. 13 and three. 13 and three. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still 100 percent going with the 13 and three. And what are you basing that on? What are you basing that on, James? I'm curious. Just by my gut. Just by your gut. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. And my belief. Everybody thinks that Newton coming in, I'm not going to say he's an upgrade over Brady, but everybody thinks that he can take a lackluster receiver bunch and turn them into something. And I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see where people are, are making that leap to that, that conclusion. They're comparing their super, their super, um, the Carolina Panthers Super Bowl run. All right, but you had Brady. What was the biggest problem with the receivers last year? Anyone? Brady didn't. Brady didn't have a connection with them. But what was the biggest problem with the receivers, other than Edelman? What was the biggest problem? They, they couldn't were, get open. Couldn't get open. Lack of separation. And you had Brady, who's one of the most accurate passers of all time, could not complete passes to these receivers who can't get open. What makes people think that Cam Newton can take this same group? And if in effect will be the same group, and get more out of them than Brady did, is it just because he's putting in the time to work with them now, where Brady didn't? Newton is still the same passer. He he can't be any better than he ever was, and he's never been known for being very accurate. So do we really think that he's going to take the same group and be better with them than Brady was? No, I mean uh, I don't think he's going to elevate the like their play. I think the one thing that he'll do is he'll spread the ball around a little more than Brady than Brady you know did Brady obviously got fixated on Edelman or or James White or guys he had relationships with Cam Newton doesn't have a relationship with any of these guys so I think in that sense it'll be um you know different that he won't lock on to guys he'll kind of spread it around but yeah I don't see him turning some of these guys into superstars and and the other thing I think he could potentially do is extend some plays with his legs to give guys a chance to get open. That's really the, that's, that's the only difference that I see. And and to me that's a big enough dif- difference because you see it with Mahomes, you see it with uh, Jackson, you see the mobile quarterbacks who can extend that play. So if the route has to get well, Jackson up, Jackson extends the play by running himself. Yes. If if you could keep him in the pocket, I think you can you can beat the Ravens all day long, because I do not think Jackson is that good of a passer. So okay, as soon as his legs are gone, 
but you're you're spot on with Mahomes. Mahomes can extend a yeah, play Mahomes. that way and just make some freakish throws. Plus, he's got the yeah. fastest receivers in the league, so that's that, that helps. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> that helps a lot, but then that's always like the key to a mobile quarterback is always able have the ability to extend the play so the receiver can change mid-route to get open and get the yards or get to this touchdown. So that's that's what people are excited about. I hope you're right. I really do and I and I hope they give him the freedom to do that. But I'm I'm I I I think they are because even like in today's practice because uh, I've been reading Mike Reese's reports is um claiming out the Patriots practice notebooks on it, his Twitter series that I, I think you should sue him for Bill because that sounds like our clean you're cleaning out your uh, junk oh the drawer. junk drawer yeah <laughs> yeah 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 well I somebody tried to, to somebody tried to steal our fire the muskets name so oh uh, yeah so I think we're yeah. gonna start trademarking some of these things that's an I, that's a new I, title for you James you're you're the trademark person I told Mike I I was ready <laughs> <laughs> uh but um basically Newton they in practice they have given the ability for Newton to basically run out of the pocket to extend the play in practice and and it's it's showing that Belichick is opening up that playbook just a little bit more than your basic under center or spread like so i don't know this, this is it's gonna it's gonna be fun and stressful to watch all at the same time typical patriot season but a lot of unknowns. I, I saw somebody uh, wrote that these are not going to be your older brother's Patriots. <laughs> nope. So one other thing on the offense that, that I've been reading about, and that's the uh, running of Damian Harris. Is it Damian Harris? The second-round pick from last yep. year? Uh, third yep. Third-round pick from last year. Could not get on the field. Supposedly he's been handling the bulk of the workload, especially with uh, Sony Michelle being uh, unable to play he's on the pup list and uh, Harris has been getting the bulk of the uh, the carries and it just sounds like he's been a beast so far in camp so you know if they can get something out of him with a revamped offensive line and you become more of a run first team that they look like they were turning into with the in the year that they won the Super Bowl against the Rams uh, maybe maybe that helps the passing game as well if you can uh, have the have the safeties up a little bit more trying to stop the run and not double and triple and teaming uh, Edelman on every play and and all your other uh, key receivers too. Yeah, one thing I was reading about Harris too is that they said he's looked good in the passing game too, which is yes. something that Sony Michelle they they've tried so hard with him and it just hasn't worked out. So like when he's on the field, you know. It's either a run or, all right, we don't have to worry about this guy because they're not going to throw to him. But if Harris can be a, you know, a, a run and pass threat, just adds another dimension to their, their offense. Yeah, and hopefully if they can run the ball and take time off the clock, that's less time that an inexperienced defense has to be on the field. Yeah, for sure. Agree. You're not really holding up to the term James the Contrarian if you're agreeing with me, James. <laughs> I, I know, I know. We need, to, I, we need to have a spirited debate. Well, you're you're all go, you're all going with my beliefs, man. I. Except the thirteen and three, I'm not going with that. Yeah, nope, I'm not on that train. It that's fine. You don't have to be on this train. I'll be on the train by myself. <laughs> to be honest, thirteen and three all day. To be honest, I'd be very happy if this team finishes 8-8 eight eight this year. Dude, I don't see why is everyone thinking 8-8 eight eight or 9-7. Nine, it's, nine, se- it's reality, James. You look at what they've lost. You look at the schedule that they're going to have. I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm just not – my expectations are not high. Let's put it that way. That's... They are not high. I don't think just because they walk out on the field with a flying Elvis on their helmet – that teams are going to roll over and, and, and die for them. No, 
it's it's never been like that. You, no, but you've you've had teams in the past that have done some stupid things just because of the aura of the Patriots. Yeah. And I don't well, I don't think you're going to get that anymore. No, I think that's long gone. I think that was and that like was nailed in the coffin when um last year's playoff series with Tennessee when Vrabel was pulling off a Belichick move during the punting. Like, yeah, and taking taking was, penalties to to let the clock run out. Yeah, that was yeah. like next level. Like that, if Belichick would have did that, uh, well, Belichick's playing a mind game. Like, so yeah, the aura of the Patriots, I think, has been long, long gone. But I'm just excited because this is like this could this is which is showing what Belichick can offer. It's showing what we've been dreading for maybe like three years, a season without Brady. Like, so that's what I'm excited about. It could turn out to be a Red Sox season where we're going to two two weeks after the season starts, we'll start the hashtag tank for Trevor. But right now, with, with the players and everything, I think, they're, they are better than a 9-7 and seven or 8-18. and 18. And I don't... They're, they're not going to go undefeated. They're not going to have two losses. I My belief is that 13-3 is what their... The high expecta- expectations are. They, they could go... 11-14. Um, and I'll still be excited, but I don't see them going eight and eight. Eleven and fourteen. Or nine and seven. It's <laughs> a lot of games. Does that include playoffs? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to do everything off the top of my head. <laughs> I will say, um, like looking at this roster, if there was anyone else other than Belichick, I would think they'd win like four or five games. But I just think with with Belichick, that adds a few wins. So I'm thinking like nine, nine and seven. I think I think ten and six is their ceiling. Um, but I do think with with Cam Newton and with Bill Belichick, I think they can compete for that. Especially now that there's an extra playoff spot, I think they could comp- compete for that wild card spot. No, I agree with you. Belichick makes a difference, and that that's what's getting them up to eight and eight for me. Is yeah. The Belichick factor. But when you when you look at their roster and you mentioned the Red Sox. To me, the, the Patriots wide receiver reminds me a lot of the Red Sox starting pitching. You've got like a couple of top-level guys, and then it's just a bunch of 4A crap after that. Yeah, and they're talking about the way they're talking about receivers and how they've looked. I mean, Gunnar Olszewski could be their number three receiver, which is just crazy to think. Cause, I mean, they said Sanu hasn't looked great. Jacoby Myers hasn't looked great. You know, Edelman's Edelman. Harry had a really good day today, but he's had some injury problems and didn't look great over the weekend. So, yeah, I mean, it it could look rough out there for for Newton. Edelman is Edelman. He's a 35-year-old Edelman. Yeah. He was starting to show signs of wear and tear last year with some drops. Right. And Sanu there, the projections are he won't even make the team. Which is crazy. They what, They spent a third-round pick round for him pick. or second they round? Up a second yeah, second-round pick for him and got virtually nothing from, from him last year. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that receiver bunch scares me if you're talking about Olszewski being your number three receiver. And the tight ends uh, allegedly have not looked very good either. The uh, right. uh, Asiasi has, has looked pretty good, but the other one that they drafted, whose name's escaping me right now. Uh, Dalton Keene. Yes, he, is, he has not looked very good at all. Catching the ball. Uh, but I think they're projecting him more of, a, of an H-back type. Yeah. I think I was listening to what in the sports hub. Uh, yeah, because I think Zolak was on, uh, and they were asking him about the tight end situation. He kind of paused, and he was like, "I think Ryan Izzo is your best tight end right now." So I think it's just a uh, a narrative of how how the rookies have looked so far in camp. Mm, not great, Bob. Just not a good narrative. No, <laughs> no, not really. But speaking of playoffs, there's been some talk that the NFL is considering doing their playoffs this year, assuming they get there, uh, doing their playoffs in a bubble format, similar to what the NBA and the NHL are doing. 
Um, I think that's an interesting concept, but when you talk about all the the number of players on a football team compared to what you have on a basketball or a hockey team, I think logistically that's that's going to be a serious issue. And I haven't heard about any locations where they're talking about playing. Have you guys heard any any talk of where the bubble would be? No. And I no, yeah, like but, you said, go ahead, James. No, I I haven't heard anything, but like if I assume it would be in a warm players, weather climate. Yeah. Right. So my guesses would probably be maybe Los Angeles and Las Vegas, especially Las Vegas, because you got you got the strip with a bunch of hotels. Yeah, I was thinking maybe Los so Angeles because you've got. In addition to the new stadium that the Rams and the Chargers are moving into, you've still got the Coliseum, you've got the Rose Bowl, yep. um, so th- there's a couple of other potential venues. Because if you're playing, I mean, you could be playing up to four games in a weekend. You know, that could be tough to to get all the teams in and out and everything to to play that many games. Yeah. So, there's Billy, there's ways of doing it, especially like out west, but. The big question is everyone and their staff. Like, they got their trainers, they got their coaches, they got the players. Um, so, it, and it's 53-man roster plus. They're carrying extra guys this coaches. year, though, aren't they? Aren't they carrying extra guys just in case of COVID? The rosters are getting expanded a little bit, similar to what baseball's doing. I'm I'm not sure. I I. I know I heard that, but I'm not sure if they do want that. Yeah, I'm not sure of the exact number, but I'm pretty sure that they are expanding, and they're also having more guys on the practice squad. Yeah, so that that is the case. That that is more players. So yeah, that that is a big question. But as we're seeing from NBA and NHL, the bubbles are working. So. Oh yeah, definitely working. Kind of cool. I mean, there's been no positive tests in either that I'm aware of. I know not in the NBA. I haven't heard of any in the NHL since they've been in the nope. bubble. Not a single one. And you see what's going on with baseball. You're still getting positive tests. The Mets Mets got shut down for the weekend because of a positive test. So it's still happening there. Yep. And uh, with uh, the massive uh, false positive tests with the NFL yesterday, so... Right, which allegedly had a couple of Patriots that tested positive as well. Yeah. So so far they've had no positive tests. They're one one of the better teams in the league with absolutely no uh, no positive tests. You've had a few teams that have had a handful, but for the most part, I think it's it's been not a problem in the NFL so far. But these guys aren't traveling yet either. And that's where some of the baseball teams have gotten into trouble is when they've traveled and go out after the game and, and visit different establishments in the city. And that's where they seem to have gotten in trouble. So we'll see what happens once these teams start traveling. Yes. One thing, uh, it looks like some teams are going to be, or at least try to play games in front of some fans. I think Jer- I... Jerry Jones has been very vocal that he's there's going to be people in Dallas watching the games. Think the Chiefs are anticipating like twenty thousand people on opening night. Oh, are they really? Yeah, I think they have a, a limit. I think that might be like a twenty-five percent or like twenty-two percent capacity. I know the Dolphins have mentioned that they are going to have, let's say, like thirteen or fourteen thousand at at their opener. So yeah, there are definitely teams who are all about having it and. To think a team like Miami, with the way things are in Florida, is going to have people at their games is just insane. It's not the in the stadium part that scares me. It's the tailgating. Right. The tailgating and the people filing into the stadium. That's where I think you're going to run into trouble with these things. Well, I'm pretty sure we're not going to see it in Foxborough this year. So, Derek, just just out of curiosity, have you heard anything from the team as a season ticket holder on what they're going to do? Uh, Are they... I'm sure they've already collected their their money for this year. Right, yeah. So you had to pay, I think it was by the end of June, you had to, uh, you know, make your payment. And then in July, they gave you an option to, uh, well, like when it became more clear that they weren't going to have full capacity. 
Uh, you had the option to basically forego your tickets for this year and they'll hang on to your money for next year. Or you could, you know, choose to have your money. Like if you want to go to a game this year, they would, you know, keep you in mind and then they would open up tickets for like basically on an individual game basis and you could kind of go in and, and purchase tickets. Um, I know they've ruled out having um, t- uh, season ticket holders or fans in general through the games in September. Uh, I don't see how they have how they'll have fans in October, November, or December, but I think they're just taking it month by month to and holding out hope that maybe they'll have some some fans there. Uh, but that's that's kind of what they their plan was. Uh, so we just you know opted opted out and we'll use our our money for next year uh, and just kind of. Watch the rest of watch this season at home. So wait a minute, you've already paid for the season, and then they're yep. giving you the opportunity to purchase tickets for individual games. Yeah, so I don't I don't know how they were gonna like, handle that too because say every season ticket holder you know opted in and wanted the opportunity to purchase single game tickets. There's obviously more season ticket holders than there would be you know open seats or allowable seats. So I don't know if it would be like a a lottery situation where you know you you can purchase tickets for certain games and not every game I, they didn't really release a lot of details about how they would handle individual game tickets they just kind of said that would be the how they would would handle it if they could have fans so they didn't release too much information so they're going to hold on to the money for the 10 games you've already paid for and then make you pay for tickets yep. on top of that yeah Jeez. See that they didn't, yeah, they didn't give much information if like they would allow you to use that money as you know they like credit you and you could use it towards single game tickets or if they were just planning on hanging on to it for next year too. I don't really know. They didn't release a lot of information, but we just said you know we'll just opt out, watch this year from home, and hopefully everything will be back to normal next year. Well, somebody's got to pay for Bob Kraft's legal defense down in Florida. Don't think I forgot about that, Bob. <laughs> Isn't that case already done with? Uh, the video was uh, deemed as uns- unsubmittable evidence, so that that will not be evidence in court. So okay. so that was a major victory for him. Yep. But we're talking about on the field stuff. One uh, one other topic that uh, I thought we could just touch on real quick. It doesn't have to do with the Patriots uh, or the NFL directly. Is um, some of the uh, big college conferences who have decided not to play this year. The Big Ten. Uh, the Pac-12, and there's one other that I am forgetting. I, I'm talking about out of the Power Five conferences. Which one am I missing? Um, Big Ten, Pac-12. Big Big uh, 12? No, the Big 12 is playing. The SEC is playing. The ACC is playing. And the ACC, yes. Ah, uh, the MAC. Not not a not one of the Power Five, but no. but it's still a major. No, I, so, you know, that's going to be very interesting come draft day because you're going to have a, a bunch of players who will not have played for well over a year. So it's, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting. But, uh, you know, what are you guys thinking with some teams not playing, other teams, uh, other conferences playing? And some of them even talked about the potential of maybe playing in next spring. Yeah, I don't know how that would the, – the spring season would work because then – that throws off the whole like timing for the fall too. You can't expect them to have a spring season and then, you know, three months later get ready for like a normal season. So I'd be interested to see how that works. It is, it is wild to see how certain conferences are, are handling it and others, uh, you know, are like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Um, but I guess that's just kind of how like the attitude towards the whole virus in general is. I mean, it's, it's certainly polarizing some, People are um, skeptical about it and don't think they should uh, like stop anything that they're doing. Just kind of proceed, proceed life as normal, where others think you should be more cautious. Um, so I think it's just a, a good indication of where we're at as a country. Yeah, and it, if you look at it regionally, it kind of falls along those same patterns. Right. You know, some of these conferences are right in the middle where where hotspots have been recently. You know, especially down in the southeast and and. You know, through the mid south, you know, Texas and Oklahoma and and those areas. But uh, you know, if they do play, if if say the Big Ten and the Pac-12 play in uh, in the spring, are we going to have a Rose Bowl game, say in in May? 
could that happen this year? I mean, how much stranger can this can this whole scenario get? Right. They've already canceled the Rose Bowl parade, so I suppose the game. To me, go ahead, James. Yeah, to me, I I'm big into college football. We all know this. I do the rankings for us and all this, and I honestly think the ACC, SEC, and the other conferences um should wait until the spring because if we're going to have some conferences play and then some other wait for the spring that is too much of the college football and for basically even like committee wise or championship wise that's a big question mark even bowls are getting canceled right so it's like what are we playing what are they playing for what are they looking for money if they're playing for money. And, and that's and that's the thing. So why not do it in the spring? But then, like, like Derek said, what does that mean for coming back in the fall? You're going to have these kids, and, you know, play a full, a full season in the spring and then just come back maybe um, four, to go off three, of four months later? I never really brought it up. Most likely what I see them do is play for the spring and then cancel the fall and make football a spring sport. I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's a big question mark, but the way they would schedule it would be before the draft. They would have a shorter week schedule, and it would be before the draft. So then whoever seniors are playing will then still have a shot of getting drafted and not have to opt out. So they would have a fresher tape. I, I cannot see them moving football to be a spring sport. I mean, is there anything that's more Americana than it. football, college football in the fall? No. And especially, especially if the NFL is going to stay in the fall. Yeah. Yeah, New Year's Day. You wouldn't have New Year's Day games. I mean, wow. But, you know, it's, it's not the only sport that's being affected that way. I mean, the NBA and the NHL, they're not going to come back at their normal time. They're probably pushed back, you know, maybe moving forward. Who knows for how long, if if they're even able to come back, say in in uh, December or January to res- to start their regular season. I mean, there's there's just so much about this that's just totally unknown and making it up as we go. But that's 2020. Agree. There's. There you go, agreeing again. Disagree with me, James. Fine. Disagree. Now you have to back it up. See, that's why I have nothing to back See, up. You can't I, just be a contrarian I, by automatically saying the opposite thing. You've got to back it up. I yeah, man. I I'm I'm failing my job right now. Um, <laughs> We're gonna take a title I, away from you. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna lose that. Con- just that you're gonna title. lose the contrarian title. Yeah, you can fine. change it on your One on your Twitter time. profile right after we uh, release the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. There's still so many question marks that I don't know. I just once I saw the big tw- the big ten and the Pac-12 cancel, I was like, oh okay, they're all gonna cancel. We're not gonna. And then the ACC and the SEC are like, no, we're still gonna play. And then the Big 12 is like, yeah, we're still playing. So now we're we're like we're having a segregation of different colleges now. The Big 12 was almost so downright, downright defiant about it. It was like, we ain't canceling, we're playing. Yeah. So now you have a fall college football champion and a spring college football champion. I don't know. I think the NCAA needs to man up and be like, okay, this is what we're doing for college football for this year. Right, either everybody plays and, or nobody plays. Yeah. I, cause, especially the Power Fives, like the Mac canceled. Okay, the Mac's not really a dangerous school. It hasn't been since Byron left, which left Marshall. Like Mac is nothing, so that's fine. All those schools, I'm sorry, you don't get to play football. My bad. But like the Power Five conferences, 
those are the ones that we see in the college football playoffs, in the New York Six Bowls. Those are the ones that get the primetime slots. So, I don't know. There's a lot of questions, and it's not even just affecting us. It's affecting up north, too. Canadian Football League. Yeah. See, see the same way yeah, I did that? That's another pro move. You guys are pros. i got to give it to you. So the CFL has canceled their season. They'd already be in their regular season by now. Yeah, it would have been uh, week three. And they've canceled their season, which is kind of surprising yeah. because, you know, the virus hit Canada. Obviously, it hit the whole world, but didn't seem to be that bad in Canada. So it seems like they're being super cautious up there in, in terms of canceling the season. I mean, they wouldn't let the Blue Jays play in Toronto. Now the Blue Jays are playing in Buffalo, playing their home games. So, and, you know, and the NHL players all had to quarantine for 14 days when they got up there to play in the bubbles in Toronto yeah. and uh, Vancouver. Vancouver or Edmonton? Edmonton. So, yeah, so, but, you know, they took the step to uh, cancel the CFL entirely, cancel the entire season. Yeah, and I, it was a little shocking to me, too, because I am a CFL fan. I watch it. Every time it's on ESPN, I like Canadian football. It's a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> There's nothing um, like a good rouge to get get the blood flowing. Yeah, it, it's like it's it's like my little tea, my taste test before American football starts. Um, <laughs> See, I remember when the CFL was like the big programming on ESPN before they had any of the the major U.S. sports. It used to be like the CFL and Australian Rules Football, things like that. That was what ESPN started as. See, I, I'm showing my age on that one. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they've got the cornhole championships, <laughs> which I actually watched some of it. Which, which I <laughs> do too. It's pretty entertaining. <laughs> Those guys are unbelievable. Yeah. And women, and women. I don't, want, I don't want to go the Milbury <laughs> route. Those, those, right. those individuals, those participants. Yes. Yeah, those competitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to type up a PR statement anytime soon. <laughs> You could you could do uh, uh, you could write some cornhole articles though for the syndicate. That's fine. I I do have my my own professional cornhole bags. I won them in a contest. So. If you've seen our uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram, you see the uh, syndicate cornhole board. What are they called? Boards. The, yes. The cornhole yeah, yeah. boards with the syndicate logos on them. I think so. Um, custom made from a. Uh, right here in New Bedford, Mass. Say that again. You're a little broken uh, up. They are fantastic looking. Say that again, James. Custom made from where? Uh, uh, Cornhole Kings. They're in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, they are absolutely beautiful. Love them. They have the our normal logo and our script logo. So cool. Might have to steal them. Maybe someday we'll have a syndicate cornhole tournament that we sponsor when when this whole virus thing is over. That that, that works. I'll, I'll I'll take I'll take home the crown. Uh, <laughs> good luck with that. Michael's pretty good. <laughs> he practices right. a lot. All right, gentlemen. So we've uh, like uh, much like the uh, baseball podcast, yeah, we've we've severely gone off the rails talking about cornhole. So. I'm going to bring it back to football and see if anybody has some closing thoughts. I just can't believe that opening day is a few weeks away. Like, obviously, with no preseason and not the usual training camp, it's a little different. But it just doesn't doesn't have that same buzz that the, the start of the NFL season normally has. But I am really looking forward to it. I hope they can make it through the season without any you know issues, with any like shutdowns or teams being like have to suspend or postpone games. Hope they can get through a season and uh, just enjoy some some semblance of a normal football season. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about postponing games. I mean, that's that's wreaking havoc with baseball, with you know the double headers and stuff that they're going to have to schedule. You can't play double headers in football. Right. So yeah, that that could really really get interesting. Uh, James, any final thoughts? Like Derek, I it's we're literally like maybe three weeks away for from football and it it still hasn't set in like i got my notification for fantasy football and i was like oh wow sorry at that time of the year and 
I hopefully we can get a full season and all all find out that I was right and the Patriots end up thirteen and three and we're on to a duck boat parade. But I Nobody will be able to go I, to it. <laughs> I I will be there. <laughs> I will get a job right driving the duck boats. I will be there. But um it's 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 going to be interesting. It's gonna be fun and interesting all at once. And not your typical interesting. Like it's cause now even if college do, does decide to postpone till the spring, NFL can grab those Friday night, those Saturday night games to spread out the teams. So then we're we could have football for four straight days. Even five. So, and that's a way you could make it work if you played in a bubble, is to spread it out yeah. over those four days. So, it's, Get rid of those Thursday night be games. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. I, I just can't wait. Well, it will be here soon, and uh, we're going to cover it here at the Syndicate. So, All right. Check out our webpage, www.bostonsportsyndicate.com. That's where you can see all the Patriot articles from Derek, along with the Celtics articles and the other sports that we cover at the Syndicate. James will be doing whatever's left of the college football season. I'm sure you'll be doing the rankings again, James. Yeah, yep, only the four teams. I'll just rank the four teams that are left Four teams left playing. Notre Dame has a good chance of cracking the the top four in that that (laughs) point. I know. I'm 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 actually excited. They're in a conference this year. They are. What conference are they in? Their ACC um, brought them in for this. this oh, I year. missed that. Before, I missed that. interesting. Oh, yeah. So they're gonna play in a real, not just a conference. They're in a real conference. Yep. Oh. Yep. They're in a real conference. They're they're playing the ACC just for this year because on um, all the the way before. Big Ten and the Big Twelve started uh, not the big yeah Big Ten and Pac twelve before they basically said goodbye. The rumor has it was NCA was going to only have conference play. So Notre Dame's like, well, we're independent, we need a conference, so they joined up with the ACC. Interesting, I hadn't heard that. Yep, and they're splitting their TV revenues with all their teams. They still have the contract with NBC? Yeah, so all the Notre Dame games will be split 50-50 with each team. Interesting. A lot of weird things this year. What a year it's been. A lot of of insane things. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe some of it will stick. Maybe. All right, so check us out, www.bostonsportsyndicate.com, for all our articles, and there are also links to all of our uh, past podcasts. You can find them there, and also links to our merch. James, why don't you talk a little bit about some of our merch? Yes, we have fantastic script design. Um, I know we're going to be coming out with a September design soon, but our script design is I, – I, could just be me talking about them because I created them, but they are my favorite design I've ever did. Um, and they are sharp. I'll give you credit for that one. They are sharp. It, I, it just popped in my brain after sawing one of those 80, 90s sport team hats. I was like, oh, we should do something like that. And I fell in love with those designs. So get. Go get them, support our brand, because if you've been paying attention to our social media, our um, our videos have changed. Our our brewing gold videos, the Let's Go Bruins, they've they've upgraded. Well, that's thanks to everybody who is out there buying our merch and sharing our information. So I want to also say thank you to everybody who are listening to us, because without you guys. We want to have that much better of a video program. Yes, not all the money that we make goes into uh, paying for my yacht. Some of it, some of it, no. we do put some of it back into the program. 
to uh, improve the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay for the yacht that's in Switzerland. So, so we have no taxes. Yeah. So check check that out <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram at Boston Sports Sin, and check out our Facebook page Boston Sports Syndicate. So guys, Derek, James, thank you for joining me. We're looking forward to the season, and we'll talk soon. And remember, everyone, wear your mask. Later. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.